Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. We, we continue our series in Isaiah. And, and I wonder if you've been driving around and you've ever seen a sign that either doesn't make sense to you or maybe you've, you've just really pondered its meaning. Maybe you've seen a sign a little bit like this. And you go, oh, yeah, I know some wild animals. And yeah, I, I know some wild children as well. Maybe the sign could have been rephrased a little bit better. Or maybe you've seen the placement of a sign. You thought... They could have done that a little bit better, a little bit like this. For those that are trying to follow the rules, that could be a bit of a problem. Um, or maybe you've seen a sign where people have been a bit creative in the idea of trying to capture your attention. Maybe a sign like this. Please be safe. Do not stand or sit, climb or lean on the fence. If you fall, the animals could eat you and that might make them sick. Thank you. You know, just, just trying to, this is one of my favourites, this next sign, it says, caution, this sign has sharp edges, do not touch the edges of this sign, and down the bottom it says, also the bridge is out ahead. <laughs> signs, you know, sometimes we read them, sometimes they draw you in, sometimes people have some fun with them. But what about a sign maybe like this next one, what does this sign mean to you? Is it a suggestion? Now it's, it's 3.59 in a school zone. All the kids are gone. At 4 o'clock, you know, the restrictions are lifted and there's no kids around. Like, you really have to slow down to 4? Is there a part of you that's like, okay, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing 40, but when the 60 sign's coming, do I have to wait till I get to the sign before I speed up to 60? Or can I start to speed up and be doing, like, you know, you start looking for the... What about the next sign? I had a kid once say to me, my dad said that's a parking space for people with big bottoms. Disabled sign, that's what it is. There's lots of disabled signs out the front of Bunnings. There's no one parking in them. You're just going to be really quick. Can you, if you're not disabled, can you maybe? When it comes to signs, you know, sometimes you look at speed signs, sometimes a no standing sign or maybe a sign like that, and maybe there's a little bit of a rebellious spirit. Oh, it's safer to do a quicker speed round here. You know those yellow signs? It says, this corner, you should be doing 60. It's like, <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> it's yellow. It's a suggestion. I'm sure I can do 100 <laughs> halfway through. <laughs> Sometimes inside of us, when we see signs, there's a bit of a rebellious spirit that can rise up in us. What about this sign? What about this book? What about the signs that God gives us in here, the, the road signs, the, the indicators for life of how we are to live? Sometimes when God says, hey, you're meant to be doing this, you're meant to be doing that, how's our reaction? Do we have maybe a rebellious spirit inside of us? Today, if you find that sometimes when you read some scripture and it goes, oh, or you hear something that, that, we're, that, that God is telling you to do and you want to push against it and there's 
little bit of rebellion. Today, as we read through Isaiah, we're going we're to look at that and how even in the midst of rebellion, God offers hope and how if you have something in your life that's being rebellious, how you can hand that to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us where we need to hear it the most so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember the first time I ever swore out loud. I'm not going to tell you the word, but I was year seven, and I remember exactly where I was. I was on the, the front football field near the, where the buses parked at school. And, and I was really new to school, and I really wanted to make friends. And we were kicking the footy back and forwards, and I remember that the, the sun was there and that the football was coming towards me and I couldn't, I couldn't focus on the footy because the sun was heading towards me and I lost the ball and, and in my desire to, to make people like me, I, I you know, made up some story of why I missed the, the ball and, and in that story, a swear word came out because I was just wanting to, to feel accepted. And I remember two things happened immediately. The first thing, as soon as I said that word, I felt a shiver go through my body, and the second thing is I felt sick in my stomach. And, and the two reasons they happened, even as a really young teenager, is firstly, I knew better. I was raised better. My parents had taught me how to speak and what was appropriate. And secondly, I had a faith in God from a young age. And, and, and something hit me deeply and convicted me because in that moment, I was rebelling against the way I was raised and against my God. Even as a young teenager, I knew better and I chose to try and win the popularity of people over doing what is right to God, even when it comes to kicking the footy. And some might go, oh, it's just a swear word. But is it? What does the Bible say about our language and the way that we, we talk? Today we start our scripture in Isaiah chapter 1 and we see that God is, is pleading with his nation, with his people, to, to, to put him first, to follow his signs, to follow his rules. A really quick recap of last week. God said, if you follow this, I will bless you. This is the contract. This is the covenant. And I am with you and I will do amazing things for you. But I love you and I'm a just God. And so I have to keep my word. So if you stop following me, I can't break my promise. I have to do what I said I would do. So if you stop following me, I will take my hand away from you. I still love you. That's unconditional. But if you stop, then I will stop because I said I would. The moment you come back, I'm back. I'm always loving you, but this is the deal. Please, please turn back to me because I'm about to take my hand away from you. <clears throat> we read this, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem and Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. 
I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master and the donkey um, its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, whose people whose guilt is great, you brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurred the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured and your whole heart is affected. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores. Not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. The first thing when we read this, this picture that God paints of what rebellion does is, is we realize that rebellion affects everything. It affects our mind, it affects our heart, it, from the, the, the bottom of our feet to the top of our hair, for those that have hair, um, it, it affects everything. It, it, it's all-encompassing when we rebel against God. And if you want to, to, to understand this really at, without any of the fluff, all you need to do is go to a funeral. I've been to about, um, I've had the honour to go to about 10 funerals this year and, and the, the privilege of presiding over six of them. And I want to say there is an incredible difference between going to the funeral of someone that has rebelled against God and not chosen him and someone that has chosen to do their very best to serve God. For those that have rebelled, those that have not chosen God, in that moment of funeral, there is grief, there is loss, but there is hopelessness. That there, is, there is no more hope, there is, no, there is nothing to look forward to, it is done, it is finished, there is an emptiness. And those that are there do their very best to embrace the person that was lost in their memory and, and to, 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 to hang on to that, but they're gone. It's done. But for someone that has chosen God, even though they are dead, they are alive in Christ. They're in their new destination. And, and yes, there is grief and there is loss and there is sadness, but there is hope. There is hope that we will see them again. There is hope that there is life after this. There is hope that they are not in pain anymore. They're more alive than they've ever been with their Lord and Saviour. And we will get to see them again when we, on that day when we are brought to see our Lord and Saviour. There is a celebration of life. You see, rebellion affects everything. If we choose to live a different way, it leads down a different path. I wonder what the, the what is the cost of rebellion? I don't wonder because I've got the answers. I wrote them here. We all have the answers. Come on. But what is the cost of rebellion? You see, the thing about when we choose our own way over God's way is any time that we do something wrong, it actually hurts us and it hurts others. You see, rebellion damages us and it damages those around us. And and the idea of choosing God's way is God has a great way for us to live. For example, you could choose to be selfish and keep your money to yourself and think of yourself and, and think the whole world revolves around you. Or 
you can put in work year after year and honour God with your time and 7,500 boxes can go out to those in need this year. You can, in a time where, where finances are tight and everybody's saying, just hold your money, interest rates are on the rise, mortgages, are, you know, it's crazy, hold your money, hold your money. That's what the world's saying. Yet our faith says, hey, we've got to give. And there's a family in Cambodia that were just given a house on Friday. What are you going to choose? You see, when we rebel, it starts to damage us because we are made to be generous people. We're made to be joyful. We're made to be loving and caring and considerate. When you start focusing on yourself, that's what you get. You get yourself. When you start putting yourself before others, well, you, you start getting yourself. Selfish people get what they aim for. Generous people. That's who you want to be around. You, you want to be around somebody that's always picking the negatives in life and grumpy and crabby and... We want to pick somebody that's positive and uplifting. I was talking to a, a very sick man in our church on Wednesday in hospital. He goes, ah, oh, no, I'm okay. <laughs> they just get the medication right. He's in hospital. You don't go to hospital because you're okay. But he's a positive guy. Privilege. I, I sat, and I shared this the other week, I sat with a, a guy who's, who's very unwell and in bed. at the greatest time. Sharing scripture, passages of the Bible. He is super sick in earthly terms. But because he focuses on God, man, he is just a joy to be around. Are you going to rebel against God and damage yourself and damage others? Or do you want to be someone that builds others up? Here is a dying man that built me up. Man, because he put God first. Your choice. Your choice. Isaiah chapter 2 starts to, to flesh out this, this reason that we need to put God first a little bit more. And, and, and firstly, just want to take back to, to that covenant, that contract that we talked about last week, where God said, follow me and I'm there. Don't follow me and I'm not there. And so that plays a part in this first verse. Oh Lord, you have abandoned your people. What is he talking about? He says, well, you've stopped following me in Isaiah chapter 2. I'm going to take my hand away from you. Why have you abandoned? Because you, you've abandoned me, so I've, I've taken my hand away. It's not like God's just going, oh, I'm just going to leave you alone, because God loves it. You, Lord, have abandoned your people, your descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They're looking at different ways to live other than God's way to live. They are practicing divination like the Philistines and embracing pagan customs. So now they're following the practices of the enemies rather than the, the ways that God has told them to live under the protection that God has been giving them. Their land is full of silver and gold and there is no end to their treasure. Their land is full of horses, which shows the, the modern era that they were living in. And there's no end to their chariots. And the idea of a chariot and a horse was, was to show the power of their military force. It's kind of like the nuclear powers of today hold some of the force. Um, the chariot was like the ultimate tank. It was like their, their show of wealth. And it says here that they, there's no end to their chariots. They have military superiority. They have horses, which is prosperity. They have gold. They have silver. They've got everything. Their land's full of idols, verse 8. And they bow down to the work of their hands. Now they're worshipping their own abilities rather than the abilities given from God and God's blessing upon them. 
and what their fingers have made. So the people will be brought low and everyone humbled. Do not forgive them. We fast forward to verse 22, uh, verse 20 of Isaiah chapter 2. In that day, people will throw away the moles and the bats, their idols and their silver of gold, which they've made to worship, because there is a day that's coming where God will call a judgment. Verse 21, they will flee to the caverns in the rocks and the overhanging crags for the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises and shakes the earth. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why would you hold them in esteem? Saying, why, why are you chasing gold and silver? There is something so much more worth living for. There is a day where God's going to come and God's going to call to account, are you living for him or are you rebelling against him? He loves you regardless. He loved his people when they were following him and when they stopped to follow him. He still loved them. But he said, why are, you, why are you praising your works when you see that what I've been doing? You can praise the work of your hand when you build a giant monument. You think of the Tower of Babel. Or you can trust God's word and you can walk around the city a few times, blow a trumpet and the walls fall down. Like, what are you going to follow? What, 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 why would you do, live this way when there is such a better way to live? You see, when you choose your own way, there's no purpose to it. You can rebel without a cause or you can live with a purpose. When it comes to, to life, you can rebel without a cause, which, which means that there is no hope at the end of the journey. Or you can live with a purpose because there is hope of a future that is to come. Now, the good news for us is, is let's face it, we've all messed up. We've all rebelled. There's been times when, when we've chosen the wrong thing. There's been times when we've, we've chosen to put ourselves before others. There's, there's times when we've, we've withheld our generosity. There's times when we've held our, our thoughts and our care. And there's, there's times when we've, we've messed up, we've missed opportunities. And we've thought, oh, I should have said that to that person, but I was so caught up in my own thoughts and I missed it. We've all messed up. But this is what I love about Scripture. This is the first chapter of Isaiah we're going to go back to. And even in the midst of God's deep warning of his people where he's saying, you, you wicked nation, you sinful people, you, you've messed up so much. Even in the midst of that, we see at the very start of Isaiah this verse, in First Isaiah chapter 18, and it says this, Come, now let us settle the matter. At the start of Isaiah, at the warning, God says, there's a lot more of Isaiah. There's 66 books to come. But at the very first chapter, he says, I'm going to settle this once and for all right now. At the very start of the book, I know we're going to mess up. I know I'm going to plead with you. I know there's going to be exile. There's going to be all this other stuff happening. But I want to settle the matter now. And I want you to know that the same way that he settled the matter then is the same way that the matter is settled today. He says this. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Though we have messed up, 
Something's going to happen that's going to make the, the, the stain that won't come off of scarlet, of red. You know how hard red is to get off? You know, like it's, it's tricky. Ever spilt the communion juice on your white top before you're about to preach? <laughs> Try to fold it over. You know? Like it's hard. It doesn't come off. But even though we're stained with this, this rebellious attitude, we're going to be made white as snow. We're going to be made like wool. How? This is what I love about Scripture. Is that the more you dive into it, the more that you realise that these words are chosen for a reason. Even though we've all messed up, there is hope. Let me introduce you to Cocaeus Elicus. I think the way I've remembered to say this is I lick it a coconut. Cocaeus Elicus. Lick it a coconut. Anyway. The scarlet worm. What is, what is this thing? What is this bug? Now, there's only, that's like one, one of them. They, they usually, there's a group of them, a bunch of them. And what would happen is this, is that the, the female worm, when it's about to have its, its babies, its, its offspring, will find a tree and will, around the very edge of it, will bond itself, glue itself to that tree. And it glues itself there permanently, never to come off. The, the, the mother then sacrifices herself as the, the eggs are laid within the safety of that cocoon, in the safety of that shell. The mother sacrifices herself for her young. And as, as she dies and the young are protected, sealed in this space, the, the, the mother it starts to exude this, this chemical that starts to turn red. And the red then dyes the surrounding branch, the, the tree around it, leaving a red residue. The, the young then feed off the mother, that's the gross bit, and, and live to go and do their thing. What would happen in biblical times is then they would go and find these red patches on these trees and scrape off the, what was left of the husk of the, the, the animal, the, the, the worm and the, the colouring, and they would grind up that to make the dye in which they would make the, the clothing, the scarlet and the crimson. There is no mistake that the words in Scripture are placed there for a purpose. Because hundreds of years before Jesus walked this earth, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, we see this. Come, let us settle the matter. And this is the way God will settle the matter. That though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. While they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. Because through God's master plan, the one story that matters the most in this world, the one story that we get to be a part of, the faith that we have and the hope, we see that Jesus himself bonded himself to a tree. And not just any tree, he bonded himself to a cross, not held there by nails, but held there by love to protect his offspring, to protect his children, because we are sons and daughters of the living God. And as he bound himself to that tree and he died so that we may have life, 
There was a red that was, wasn't just exuded into the tree, but his blood stained the cross for you and for me. And through his death, we were made white as snow. Through his death, we were made like white wool. We were cleansed because of the sacrifice that he made. I want you to know that, that the score is settled on the cross. And although there's been times when we have rebelled against him, though there's been times when we've made the wrong decision in life, when we choose God, the matter is settled. And yes, we're going to mess up. That's the journey of a disciple. We mess up, but we do better. But always trying our very best to set our eyes on things above. Because when we set our eyes on things above, that's when we have hope. You see, when... We've all rebelled in this life, all of us. We've all messed up. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But there is hope in Jesus because he settles the score. Hundreds of years ago, he said, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to beat around the bush. We've all messed up, but there's going to be a way. And that way is Jesus. This morning, I want to invite you to pray one or two prayers. The first prayer is if you've not accepted Jesus, if you've not accepted hope, we invite you to, to realize that, yes, we've messed up, but God loves you unconditionally. And he wants you to be washed as white as snow. Jesus bound himself to a cross for that, to take the punishment that we deserved so that we may be made right in the eyes of God through Jesus. Not through our abilities. We all mess up. But Jesus didn't. The prayer that I'm going to ask you to pray is one that has three parts. Firstly, say sorry for the times that we've rebelled against God, we've tried to make our own way. The second is to, to thank God for sending his son who bound himself to that tree so that we may have life. And the third one is we ask him into our life because when Jesus went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to guide us, to be, to be our compass, to, to help speak to us when we needed to make the decisions in life. So if that's you, I'm going to invite all of us to close our, our eyes and bow our heads and I'd invite you to pray this in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you loved us unconditionally, that while we were still making mistakes and sinners, you still had a plan. And because of that, Jesus died on the cross. I'm sorry for the times that I've chosen my way and not yours. I'm sorry for the times that I've rebelled against you. I thank you that you made a way for that broken relationship to be restored through Jesus. Thank you that he came to earth. Thank you that he died on the cross. Thank you that he rose again. And I invite the Holy Spirit into my heart today to guide me from this day forward so that I may live a life and a life to the full, the way you intended. Guide me when I need it the most. In your loving name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, please make yourself known. We'd love to give you a Bible and and just journey with you and celebrate with that decision that you've just made. For the rest of us, maybe there's an area in your life that you go, 
there's not that joy. You know, like sometimes, you know, you, you put money in as the bowl goes past the little bag and, you know, it doesn't feel all that good. But then you see someone get a house and you go, yeah, yeah. It's my joy to contribute to the kingdom. You know, why can't it be fun? It's one of our core, core values of the church. Like, yeah, yeah. No one's with tears, you know, handing out the bag on a Sunday when they're collecting the offering. Sometimes it doesn't feel as good. But, but, but maybe you're not giving. There's a bit of a rebellion. Or maybe it's in your attitude towards some, somebody else. Maybe it's in your, your, your attitude towards putting God at the, the head of your marriage head of your family or head of your workplace or your work ethic or your, your travel or your holidays or somewhere else. We've all, we're all on a journey. We all, all have areas to work on. None of us are Jesus. Spoiler alert. So I want to encourage you that if there's an area of your life that God is just speaking to right now, maybe there's an argument in your head, chances are that's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's usually what it's like when you're going, nah, 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 I can't change that. I don't want to change that. Nah, and you start justifying why that's okay to keep doing what you're doing. That's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, come and get some prayer. Let, let us be with you in this journey, in this wrestle, in this journey called life and discipleship. During the last song, there's going to be some people up the front. We'll stay up the front until after the service just for a little bit. So come up and get some prayer. We'd love to pray with you and be able to, to, to journey with you and give some of these things to God. I'm going to pray and invite the, the band up. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that even when we start this journey, we start this journey of, of following you. We know that, that in us is a desire to to put ourselves where we shouldn't be, to, to try and control things ourselves more than we should. There's a desire to make our own decisions or look to other people to follow them. Well, right now, we want to say sorry for when we've got our, our focus on anything but you. We know that that rebellious spirit, if we let it go, it'll affect every part of our life. And it's meaningless ultimately. It leads to destruction. It leads to loss. It leads to hopelessness. Give us the courage to choose you today. To offer that area of our life that we've been wrestling with so that you may fill it with hope once again through Jesus Christ. That we may be released from the burden of trying to carry this ourselves, knowing that you want to journey with us. You bound yourself to the cross so that we can leave it there where it belongs. Lord, I pray this morning there would be a release of things that aren't ours to carry and a filling of your spirit so that we may have hope, life and joy once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.